Welcome everyone to the Russell Show. I'm your host Russell Chowdhury and can't wait to jump into today's podcast episode. Episode number 72, we have a special guest, John Henman. In this episode, we will discuss with John the topic, Golden Rules of Treating Employees. So don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on our podcast. Let's dive in. Hi, John. Thank you so much for coming to the show and taking the time out. I really appreciate it. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, the pleasure is mine. Uh, you're super busy. I know like uh, lawyers always tend to be like... Uh, no, no. Lawyers, <laughs> lawyers are never busy. We're full of free time with, you know, sitting around twiddling our thumbs, you know, <laughs> waiting for the phone to ring, nothing to do. So this is fine. That's all right. Yeah. Like uh, most of the time I talk to like the lawyers, they're super busy. Like a uh, few of them working 14 hours, 18 hours a day. Um, I don't do that anymore. There were mm-hmm. times in my career when I did, when I was a younger lawyer and had less control over my own schedule. Yeah. I, um, and there's certainly times that there's emergencies that come up. Certainly if I have to be in trial for a case, uh, that is, uh, you know, a 15 plus hour a day job when you're actually actively in trial or prepping for trial. But on the day to day, um, I try, uh, I try to keep a fairly regular schedule. Yeah. I got, I got two kids, um, two teenage kids that, uh, won't be, uh, in the home for too much longer. I have a seventh grader and a 10th grader. Um, so I got, you know, two and a half years left with one and a few more years left with the other in the house. And so I, 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 early on in my career, I made it a priority to make sure mm. that I was home uh, for dinner with my family every day, yeah. that we would have that time to me was sacred, that we would have that time around the dinner table to sit, talk, decompress, you know, catch up, whatever. And there have been very few exceptions in my career that I was forced to break that promise to myself. So, yeah, that's great. I love that. Like, uh, it's the same with my family. Like I tend to work like a four or five hours a day, rest like a two, three hours doing the podcast. So I make sure like I give the time to my family, my newborn child as well and the family comes first to be honest like end of the day the money you're making the business you're building why is it for it's it's like come down to like a family isn't it yeah i mean your legacy your legacy my legacy i think legacy um should be defined by you know the family the 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 mark you made on the people that came into your life and um when it's my turn to pass off this earth, whenever that may be. Hopefully mm-hmm. I got a few decades left to go, but whatever it is, it is. Um, I hope my, my goal is that my tombstone says he was a great dad and he was a great husband yeah. and not that he was a great lawyer. Cause I mean, I, I think I'm a great lawyer, but that's not what I, I don't choose to be defined by what I do for a living. I choose to be yeah. defined by the mark I leave on the people that, you know, I care about. So yeah i totally respect that yeah that's great so like uh, the topic we chose to today and we're going to discuss about golden rules of treating employees uh, better so before we get to the topic our audience and me would love to know more about you how you get into like uh, being a lawyer and employment law and also like uh, being an entrepreneur how your all journey started all of the above. Um, I'm not sure how I actually ended up being a lawyer. I've been practicing <laughs> law. It's been so long. I've been practicing law now for almost 25 years. Wow. Um, and I think like if you asked my parents, they would tell you that given um, in my younger days, my propensity to argue 
everything with them. Mm-hmm. They would tell you I was probably always destined to be an attorney. Um, and in like in school growing up, I did like the the mock trials and the model United Nations and the debate team and that kind of stuff. So I think I was always in, and my interests always lied more in the social sciences history. Um, yeah. I always like to read and write. And, and so I think that's where my interest always, you know, always kind of lean towards. And then um, when I got to college, um, I mean, law school was probably always on my mind, but then I chose for my studies in university, uh, history and philosophy, which are two things um, I mean, I was qualified to uh, teach uh, about right. the past or yeah. sit under a tree and think about the past, and there wasn't much else I was qualified to do. And so uh, since you don't make a whole lot of, I said earlier, you know, money's not the most important thing, but while well, you still need to support yourself and it's yeah. hard to do that if you're just sitting under a tree thinking about stuff. So uh, I chose law school and have no regrets. It's a great, it's, it's a great way to make a living the, mm-hmm. the uh, competitive aspect of the law and the sometimes um, not so nice aspects of being an attorney, I think are far outweighed by the rewards that the career has brought me for the last 25 years. Um, I have always been an employment lawyer. I represent Mm. businesses, traditionally smaller to mid-sized businesses. So less than a thousand employees is is my sweet spot. Although I have in the past represented companies bigger and don't not opposed to it, just my, Practice tends to lend towards the smaller business, and um, I've always represented businesses around that size in their employment relations, human resources, employment law-related uh, needs. So my practice really kind of divides itself nicely in half. Half the time, I wear what I call my outside in-house counsel hat. So I mm-hmm. represent businesses that don't have an in-house attorney, don't have an attorney kind of on their payroll full-time to give them advice. Uh, And so I'm the voice on the other end of the phone when a company needs to hire someone, fire someone, uh, have a policy drafted, investigate a complaint of harassment or some other internal complaint of some misconduct, an employee needs a medical leave, um, whatever. And some of the companies I work with are, are so small to the point, they might not even have an HR department. They might have like a financial officer or, or a comptroller that yeah. is kind of handling the HR function. Um, and then the, the other half of my practice is a litigator. So I go into court and defend discrimination lawsuits, harassment lawsuits, when employees feel they've been un, unfairly paid or incorrectly mm-hmm. paid. Um, theft of, you know, thefts of trade secrets and confidence confidential information, really any claim an employee can bring against a current or past employer uh, on the guy going into the courthouse to, uh, to defend the company. Yeah, that's great. So like, uh, you had already planned out in early age, like you wanted to be a lawyer. So there's no like a internal or external force onto it, like normal the parents does. No, I think, yeah, I think that was probably always, that was probably always the destiny for me from an early age. Yeah. I'm trying, yeah. I'm now, I'm trying to talk my kids out of it now. My daughter just started, <laughs> my, my, my 15 year old just started doing, she's a, she's a, a musical kid, um, yeah. like an, an arts kid and has always done like the theater productions. Um, she's been in bands and does theater and other stuff. And, and at the school she goes to your options in spring semester, or two of the options in spring semester are mm-hmm. the 
musical theater production or mock trial. And you really can't do both because they go on at the same time and they're both very time intensive. And she yeah. surprised me this year by choosing, she was the lead in the musical last year as a freshman. And um, this year she decided to do mock trial instead of auditioning for the musical. And I was surpri pleasantly surprised. Uh, and uh, I've had uh, some time kind of, it's been nice to kind of work with her through some of the legal issues, kind of coach you up a little bit. I was in yeah. talking to her team after school uh, one day last week. And I think we'll go back and do that again as they're getting ready for their competitions. That's been a nice, it was a pleasant surprise for me that she went that route. Yeah, that's great. So to get into like the today's topic, which is golden rule of treating employees, which you're going to discuss about it. So before we do that like i want to ask you like you've been working with a lot of employees in terms of like discrimination and the bosses are not treating them right sometimes like the employees not treating their uh, employer right so in comes to this one like what does it actually mean like a uh, golden rules of treating employee right yeah it's i i I come, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. Like I said, yeah. I've, been doing this for I've been doing this for 25 years. And one of the things I've learned in defending companies in employment disputes for two and a half decades is that mm -hmm. most, in co most companies are trying very, very hard to do the right thing by their employees. They wow. get caught up often in this maze or morass of laws and regulations they don't understand, which is what ultimately I think gets them in trouble. But most of them, I think, um, come at this with good intentions and their heart in the right place and whatever yeah. you know, idiom you want to, whatever idiom you want to substitute in there. Um, I think that as employers think through what do we do with this employee? How do we handle this employee? Um, uh, you know, what, what is this legal? Is this not legal? Is this going to get us in trouble? Is it not going to get us in mm -hmm. trouble? I think if they kind of removed the, uh, the umbrella envelope of the law, because the law can be, I mean, I went to school for three years and I've been doing this for 25 years and it's intimidating yeah. and people, people get very intimidated by, you know, what the law says, is this legal? Is it not legal? Do I want to call my lawyer who bills me at, at X hundreds of dollars an hour? And do I want to get a bill for something and, and mm -hmm. to answer this question for me and whatever, if they would just remove themselves completely from that situation and just um, ask themselves if I was the employee, yeah. right? If the roles were reversed, how would I want to be treated in this situation? Would this be what I think I was being treated fairly and reasonably and equitably and equally. And if the answer to that question is yes, then it's probably a good decision to make, a good decision to execute on. And in a very, very, very high percentage of instances, it's going to work out fine. Yeah. The employee will be happy with the decision. Um, and if they're not happy with it, they'll at least understand where it came from. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, the, the, the chances of that decision devolving or destructing into uh, dispute, lawyers involved, lawsuits, courts, et cetera, I think is, is significantly lower than if the employer didn't ask itself that question first. Yeah, interesting. So what do you see like in Compton, like a, what type of dispute you see from like employees to employer? 
like a um, harassment or like what, what sort of things? Well, let me give you, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I'll give you two examples kind of contrasting yeah. um, one from one from an actual case that happens, uh, not mine, but an actual court case that happened and one from my life kind of pre-attorney. And I'm, I'm using these examples because one of the issues that we've seen here in the States um, a lot over the past couple of months, and it's more, mm-hmm. it's an issue that's come up more in the last three months than combined in the, my first 25 years of doing this is the issue of accommodating employees' religions. Uh, and it's come up around the context here in the States around the COVID vaccine. Right. Um, to give you the kind of big kind of 40,000 foot view of this one issue of um, American employment law. So it's illegal in America to discriminate against an employee because of his or her religion. Mm-hmm. And going along with that, you have to reasonably accommodate an employee's sincerely held religious belief. Yeah. And so lots of, empl- lots of employers that are now telling their employees, we're requiring you to get vaccinated as a condition of your employment, employees are coming back and saying, well, it's against the COVID vaccines against my religion. Yeah. You have to accommodate my religion. And we've been, de- we, uh, me and employment lawyers all over the country have been dealing with that issue yeah. um, a lot. So I bring up this, these two examples I'm going to tell you um, because it's an issue that we've been dealing with a lot for the past few months. So mm-hmm. there was a case, um, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago uh, out of the southwestern Pennsylvania area involving an energy company that had traditionally used time clocks to track time and attendance for their employees. Like yeah. you would walk into the facility and you'd have a clock with a punch card and you'd you know, like, yeah. Fred, like Fred Flintstone style, you'd slip the card into yeah. the clock and that, right, the pterodactyl would, you know, punch the time on the clock and right. So um, they decided that that was an archaic system they wanted to get rid of. And so they switched to a biometric hand scanner mm. where you would, instead of slipping a card in, you would hold your hand up to the scanner, right? And it would read your, your the handprint and it would identify you as you and then track your time and attendance that way. An employee, uh, believed that using, genuinely believed that using the uh, hand scanner yeah. would would impart the, he thought it was satanic and would impart the mark of the beast on him if he used that to track his time and attendance. Wow. He went to the company and said, this is against my religion. I think this is a satanic device. Um, it's going to label me with the mark of the beast. I'll never get into heaven. Can you please provide me another way to uh, another way to track my time and attendance every day. Mm-hmm. Company said no. Company, I think, probably behind the scenes, I don't think they actually laughed in his face, but behind the scenes probably laughed at the guy and thought yeah. that was a silly request and nobody could really believe that. And if they do, we think it's nuts. And so we're not, they, they denied his request. He went yeah. to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which is the federal agency that enforces our, our civil rights laws in the workplace. Uh, they ultimately filed a lawsuit on his behalf, and the company. At the end of the day, the company lost and lost to the tune of uh, over a half million dollars. They had to pay this guy wow. because he ultimately lost his job because he wasn't he was yeah. showing up as absent every day because he wasn't using the system. So that that's example number one. Example number two: When I was in high school, I worked at a fabric, um, like a fabric wholesaler. They Mm -hmm. took in my job was the trucks would pull up and I would go onto this, this 
you know, 55 foot long semi uh, trailer and yeah. I would unload giant bales of fabric. And that was my job for the summer. And then other people would take those bales of fabric and get, take customer orders and they would cut them down to size and then ship them out to the customer. Okay. So I, I, this was the summer in between the summer before I started college and I had worked there for, I don't know, two or three days. And one of the employees, one of my coworkers comes up to me and he says, um, has Harland talked to you yet? And I said, mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I've spoken to Harland, but I, I don't know what you're, I, sure. I've, I mean, I've talked to him and he goes, no, no, has Harland spoken to you yet? And I'm like, I, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. And I said, all right. He said, here's the deal. He goes, Harland um, is like a religious nut and he has a lot of really far out there ideas. And so your best bet when Harland corners you, which he does to everybody, just kind of politely nod and whatever he gives you, just take and then throw it out during your lunch period and just go about your business. And sure enough, later that day, Harland um, came up to me in the Mm -hmm. warehouse um, with some literature to tell me how the Freemasons ruled the world from a secret office on the 35th floor Rockefeller Center. And there was the secret um, society of elders uh, that uh, you know ruled the world from this Freemason sect, and how Lee yeah. Iacocca saved Chrysler by making a pact with the devil, and all this kind of weird, crazy stuff. Um, a few, and I nodded politely and took his literature and, yeah. threw, it, <laughs> and threw it in the garbage can. <laughs> so, um, a few weeks later, Harlan was out sick for the Harlan was out sick for the day, and somebody in the warehouse who was a really good artist. Um, uh, took a pen and drew a, a very accurate drawing of Lee Iacocca, who was the former the former chairman of Chrysler, on Harlan's mm-hmm. desk. And Harlan believed that he had saved Chrysler by this pact with the devil and drew on his desk this really good picture of Lee Iacocca with the words, Harlan, I'm watching you. And Harlan came back the next day and, f- and just flipped out because he thought that Lee Iacocca had come up from the, from the bowels of hell and had... Yeah burned this thing onto his desk until he went to management and said, I can't work at this desk anymore. I need a new desk. And, um, and I, and I use these two stories because think about with the energy company that rejected the employee's request and said, yeah. no, you know, you, you got to use that. We can't give you a time clock. We can't give you a pen and paper. You got to use this hand scanner. Mm-hmm. Um, this company looked at Harlan and said, okay, took his desk, moved into a closet, brought him a new desk, problem solved. And yeah. so it's, it's um, you know, path of, whether you call it path of least resistance or um, is this an issue worth making a big deal out of or is this something simple we can provide for an employee or just if you were Harlan, you know, how would you react if the company said, no, you have to work with the satanic desk if Harlan yeah. genuinely, and he really believed that Lee Iacocca surfaced from hell and etched this on his desk. Um, it is, uh, I mean, that for the cost of 30 seconds of manpower in moving one desk out, moving another one in, they yeah. say themselves potentially, you know, either an employee resigning and having to fill that position or, um, you know, years of expensive heartache through litigation that they probably would have lost because the fix was so simple. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true though. It's like, uh, Everyone calls their own beliefs. Some believe in different, different things. And we should respect that because no one actually can force to into it. Like you have to follow them kind of rules. The rules is fine, like in work-wise, but don't go into something like a personal. 
So when you go into like a personal, you doing the reputation of your company, the person and their belief as well. So that's going to discrimination, which is the next level. And also it is really hard. Like you can't change other people. Someone's working on your company. You didn't buy them. They're just working for the hours and it, they're not like a slavery, like a four or 500 years back used to be. Right now, yeah, like people everyone wanna, go people, right. Yeah. People want to go, people want to go to work. By and large, people want to go to work, do their job, get paid and be yeah. left alone. I mean, that's, that's what people want. And it's where that lack of respect, I think it's injected in there that creates mm. a lot of the problems. And we've seen that, I mean, so much surrounding, uh, surrounding the pandemic over the last, um, yeah. you know, over the last, particularly over the last few months, once the vaccines rolled out and it's at least here, it's become a very politicized issue. People look at it and say, you know, the, the government's not going to tell me what to do, or big pharma is yeah. not going to tell me what to do, or, or what, or or people that you know, or there are people who believe, you know, like Bill Gates is injecting you yeah. know five G <laughs> transmitters into people's bodies with the yeah, heard that, whatever yeah. nonsense. Um, but for employees that come to you and say, you know, I genuinely like my body, my temple. I genuinely believe it is a violation of my religious rights if I take this mm. or my religious beliefs if I take this vaccine. I, employers really risk running themselves into trouble if they then question um, too deeply how genuine and sincere that employee's beliefs actually are. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, we have to think about the majority of other people are thinking at the same time. So even though it's, it's a right on the employee side, in the same way, it's, it's not right on the whole community is like one person saying, I'm, I'm not taking the vaccine on it. But you have to think about like what other people are thinking on the same. Let's say like a hundred employee in the same company working together. They seeing each other in the same desk, they're working and everything. And 99 of them like already got vaccination and one person is not doing it. That's kind of like another thing comes to like for employer as well. Like there is safety. One is not believing probably whatever the reason is. Some people not believe in the vaccination. Some people religious issues then some go another something they're not trusting the whole medication itself and then you know 99 percent of them employees they probably gonna tell their boss or employer like look we got all vaccination why this person is not doing it so how how someone like employer can react to that yeah well what's interesting is so at least here in the states the that vaccination status is treated as a confidential medical record so your mm -hmm. your co-workers may not know, like I work in an office with, I don't know, 50 other people. I don't know which of my coworkers are vaccinated or not vaccinated. Right. Okay. Um, so we just, so we just don't know that said employers are certainly within their rights. If they yeah. want to mandate the vaccine and say, we believe as a matter of workplace safety, uh, everybody should be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. That is something an employer can do and collect as long as they maintain it confidentially can then collect vaccination status from employees and then enforce that as a work rule, just like they do with attendance or smoking or drinking or fighting or bad language or whatever. Yeah. They can they can then enforce that like any other work rule and say, you got to be fully vaccinated to work here. And if you're not, you can't work here. The only exceptions being religion, which we talked about, or mm. um uh, employees, uh, physical or mental impairments, disability, like legally protected disabilities. If you have a doctor's note that says 
you know, Johnny can't get vaccinated because Johnny has this autoimmune disorder or whatever. Uh, yeah. an, employer would an employer would have to consider and accommodate that as well. Is that like an employer can fire someone if they don't want to take in vaccination? Is that kind of Cor rule set? Yeah. Yeah, correct. As long as, I mean, as long as you have an equally applied work rule yeah. that, you know, applies across the board to everybody, um, which is perfectly within an employer's right to do. Yeah. You mm. can certainly fire someone who chooses not to get, uh, not to get vaccinated. Yeah. 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 Thanks for sharing this. So we understand right now what kind of dispute normally happens in the uh, corporate world. So right now, like, uh, let's talk about how we can treat our employee properly, because you probably have a team for your law firm. Also, you, you looked up big, big companies, like you mentioned, you work with a thousand plus employees in the companies. So how do you actually treat your employees where we don't get any lawsuit and same way we can maintain the team and the atmosphere and everything, keeping them happy? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a couple of things go into the equation. Um, one of them um, is just this idea of, of fairness, this, this idea of, uh, you know, the golden rule, treat others as, as you would want to be treated or, or um, what I and some others call the platinum rule, which is treat others as they would want to be treated. Yeah. If, you treat, if you kind of meet people where they want to be, um, that solves, I think, 90 plus percent of these problems. Um, so I think that kind of idea of whether you call it the golden rule or, or fairness or mm. reasonableness of behavior or whatever, I think that's a key component of it. Um, documentation and notice is another key component. I think where a lot of employers get themselves in trouble is where they kind of out of the blue, an issue becomes yeah. an issue when an employee has no notice. An employee is going along working for two years. Everything is like, they think everything's hunky-dory. They get, uh, you know, they've been working for a year. They get a annual performance appraisal. They get, you know, yeah. decent marks or good marks, you know, a couple of area, you know, maybe do this a little better, do that a little better, but everything is going along fine. And then like out of the blue, um, you know, they get a, uh, you know, you're on a performance plan. And if you mm -hmm. don't immediately improve, we're going to fire you or you're fired or whatever. And so it's um, uh, where issues come out of left field and take employees by surprise, that's where employees start looking for other reasons why an employer is taking a particular action when this yeah. caught them completely off guard. And so, and that's when they start looking at characteristics protected that the law prohibits an employer from acting on, be, uh, acting, uh, on behalf of. So things like race, sex, sexual mm -hmm. orientation, um, age, religion, national origin, uh, disability. Those are the, at least here in the U S those are the, uh, characteristic that the law, uh, employee characteristics that, that the law protects. And when something you think you're doing a great job because no one's told you otherwise, and all of a sudden you are put on a final warning or fired completely out of the blue, you start yeah. thinking, you know, who did I piss off and why? Or is it something else completely? Like, is it my, you know, is it my race? Is it my sexual orientation? Is it my age? Um, mm. Whatever. Um, and then uh, what I, what, what angers me is when I then come in after the fact that I have to go and then defend one of these decisions, I asked for the personnel file and yeah. it's like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a blank piece of paper. There's like nothing <laughs> there. Um, and I'm like, so where's, where's all the, you know, where's all the notes that the supervisor made about all the things that Jimmy did wrong or where's the warnings or where's yeah. the, where's a, you know, where's an outlook 
um, where, where's a calendar invite for a meeting where you can mm -hmm. say, at least on this date, we sat him down and talked to him and there's like nothing. And I'm like, well, how, what am I, I can't defend this. There's, you yeah. gotta have a, you gotta have reasons, you gotta have justification. I mean, we have what's called at-will employment, which means you can fire anyone at any reason for any time, as long as the time's not or the reason's not illegal. But if you don't have a reason, people are going to look for one. You just don't fire yeah. good employees for no reason. You don't stay in business if you have a revolving door of good employees. Um, that's a that's a quick way to run your run your business out of business. So, um, if I need to have like something I can point to to say, this is why Jimmy was let go. And these are the dates that it was explained to him yeah. so that, you know, you under, so when I'm talking to Jimmy in a deposition or in court, I can walk him through and he can agree with me that, yeah, he understood that he was a bad performer on this date, this date, this date, or he did this wrong, or he stole or did whatever. But yeah. uh, without that, yeah, yeah without that documentation, it makes my job uh, almost impossible to do. And is, is that happened like oftentimes, like a, there is a blank piece of paper and no record of employee progression maybe? Uh, more often than I would like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it really, I mean, it's um, the, the, the larger the organization, the more systems and controls they have mm. in place. So things like that typically don't happen. Where I typically experience it more is the smaller the size of the organization I'm working yeah. with, then it's just, it's either because people are, and again, I, I don't think it's out of, I don't think it's out of bad intent. It's out of the, what causes things like that are things like, um, I'm wearing six different hats and yeah. when I'm disciplined, when, when I need to discipline, um, you know, Janie for what she did wrong on this particular day, mm -hmm. I came out of that discussion and immediately had to go do X, Y, and Z. Cause there were all these fires I had to put yeah. out and then it just falls off the radar. So it's, it's not a, it is, it's not a, um, it's more, it's, it's, it's a sin of omission, not a sin of commission, but mm -hmm. it's still a sin and it's a sin I got to deal with. And it makes yeah. it very difficult to, yeah. Um, judges and juries like documentation. They really yeah. do. Um, we've all been, uh, for better or for worse, we've all been conditioned by like law and order. And, uh, if it's that, and that's, I mean, that's not real life, but that's yeah. for when you're arguing a case to a jury or presenting a case to a jury, that's their understanding of the legal system is what they see you know, they know like, you know, they, they, they know the OJ trial, they know, mm. <laughs> you know, law and order, um, you know, they, they know what they see on TV unless they operate in the system. And so, um, we've been conditioned, um, we, we've been conditioned to expect, um, proof. Yeah. Um, you know, the high, all, like all the high profile cases have like the OJ trial had DNA evidence, law and order. We always see like DNA, 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 like jurors want to see hard proof of the things. And when they don't see that, it makes my job, um, we just don't, we just don't take people's word, even though they, you know, put their hand in a Bible and swear to tell the truth yeah. um, without something to corroborate that jurors just don't believe it. Yeah. And like the those listeners, like we mostly entrepreneurs and our subscribers, mostly for entrepreneurs. So they probably small to medium sized businesses and to have the HR team. So mostly the HR team, the documentation, all of them, like uh, if someone's like did X, Y, Z or something, that documentation is there. But a small company like my company, like we have 13 people, we don't have any HRT. So if someone has to deal with me or my CEO managing and everything, so most of the time we do have like any kind of documentation. 
So those who are listening, if you want to advise them like any kind of like a lawsuit for employer to avoid like what type of like the steps we need to follow in terms of like avoiding that kind of lawsuits. In in terms of in terms of like avoiding getting sued. Yeah. Um, it, like well, for documentation or something. Yeah. Or like the, about well, the, the, the only way to guarantee you're not going to get sued is to not go into business. If you go into business, <laughs> unfortunately, that's that's one of yeah. the risks of doing business is that you might you might have to call someone like me to bail you out of bail you out of some trouble. Um, that's just that's just the nature of the beast. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, documentation is one solid step to help protect yourself. Notice is a solid step to help protect yourself. Giving employees opportunities to correct behavior. Yeah. Um, something, I mean, some sin, some workplace sins are inexcusable and non-forgivable mm-hmm. and they warrant an immediate termination of employment. If an employee shows up high at work, uh, they don't get a second chance. If an employee assaults a coworker, they don't get a second chance. If they steal, okay. they don't get a second chance. If they commit like egregious sexual harassment, they grab a coworker uh, in a sexual manner, uh, force themselves on someone, something like that. They don't get a second chance. Um, so there's certain sins that are just we. I mean, I refer to it as you know like a capital offense. Like that's it, yeah. one and done. That's it. You're out. Um, but for other for other problems in the workplace. Um, you come in late, you, um, you're not producing at a high enough volume, you are argumentative or maybe have a bad attitude or mm-hmm. some other things that with some direction and counseling should be fixable. You should, in most cases, give employees the opportunity to fix those problems instead of just saying, instead of just having a quick trigger and saying, um, well, you know, you're supposed to make a hundred widgets a day uh, yeah. You've been here a month. You're only making 85 widgets a day. You know, you're out the door. Go find yourself another job. We we need to give employees counseling and direction and some help to help to assist them in perform- meeting our expectations as employers mm-hmm. in in how they do their job. And if you give the employee opportunities and chances to improve with counseling, with assistance, with discipline, if you're not seeing the the work towards the improvement. Um, then termination might be the only option if that's just not, if they're not meeting your expectations after opportunities, then maybe termination is, maybe termination at that point is the option. But, uh, but without giving employees the the chance to improve themselves, I think, again, you're, you're inviting a lawsuit when you go from, you know, you go from like zero to 10, uh, the first time an employee makes a mistake. And I mean, it's bad for your business too. You don't want a revolving door of employees. You don't want, um, you know, every month you have to, uh, you know, hire to replace 20% of your workforce because you're terminating 20% mm. uh, because they're not meeting your expectations for whatever reason. Um, I mean, companies get reputations. It's too easy these days on Indeed and Glassdoor and, you know, LinkedIn and other websites for yeah. employers to really pick up a lousy reputation of, of what it's like to work for a particular business. And, uh you know, if you're constantly getting, you know, one star reviews from current and former employees, you're going to end up only being able to hire one star employees yeah, because uh, they're the only ones that are going to want to work for you because the ones, the employees of value are going to, are going to go work for employers of choice. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it's incumbent upon employers, I think, not to have that revolving door um, 
And one of the one of the better ways to do that is by, you know, working with your employees. Employees are an investment. They're they're yeah. they're an, it, every time you hire an employee, you have to view it as an investment. It's an investment of your time, your human capital. Nobody comes in to your workplace as a polished diamond. The goal was to get them there, but nobody, yeah. most people don't come in that way. So it's an investment of time and human capital to do that and why you want to, um, you know, flush that investment down the toilet without giving it sufficient time to bear out. That always just, it always just confuses me why companies, angers me why companies do that. Mm. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you so much for that. And there is like a make a lot of uh, differences since we working remote now, everyone's working from like a home most, most of the time. So is that like a reduce on like a discrimination and like harassment or any kind of issues because everyone working remote and the productivity increase? Uh, it's an interesting question. It's, you, you would think that issues like harassment would decrease with employees working from home because yeah. we're not see, we're not seeing each other on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. I, I, I think the, the opposite might actually be true. It's just a different, it's a different kind of harassment. So mm -hmm. we're not having that face-to-face -face interaction, but by the same token, we're also allowed to hide behind the, I mean, anonymity is not the right word because we know, we know each other, but it is still a kind of a, an, uh, uh, an obscuring of that human contact. I think it's easier if you're going to say something inappropriate yeah. or be mean to someone uh, or say something offensive, I think it's easier to do it behind the distance of your keyboard than face-to-face -face with somebody. And so I think while it, it might seem at first blush to make more sense that if we're not seeing each other every day, these issues should, should lessen, um, I actually think there's a potential for them to increase because I think we have a, a, a greater propensity to kind of lose lose a loose sense of kind of what's business appropriate when we can hide behind the you know the safety of these things or the yeah. the, the distance of these things. Yeah, interesting. So yes, we are running out of time for this podcast, and thank you so much for a valuable lesson and sharing your expertise on the topic. So those who's listening, if anyone wants to work with you or reach out to you or hire your company, like how they can find you. Yeah. So the, the law firm is Wickens, Herzer, Panza. We're in the Cleveland, Ohio area, but I do, um, I will work with companies anywhere in the U.S. Um, you can uh, find the firm at wickenslaw.com. That's W-I-C-K-E-N-S law.com. Um, I also um, write Monday through Friday uh, on my blog about employment law issues. And you can find me uh, at ohioemployerlawblog.com. And then uh, on the socials, it's uh, John Hyman at, on Twitter. It's Jonathan Hyman, because it was already a John Hyman when I signed up for LinkedIn. So it's Jonathan Hyman on LinkedIn, um, but no one calls me Jonathan except my mom when she's mad at me. And then someone learned they're typing my, uh, yeah. it's typing, <laughs> typing my, my full name into the search bar in LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, but I, I don't hide. If you literally Google John Hyman employment lawyer, you'll find, uh, numerous ways to connect with me. And I'm happy to, uh, connect with, uh, you know, any of your listeners, business owners, entrepreneurs, or whomever yeah. to talk through the, um, uh, employment related issues they're having. Yeah. Thank you so much, John, for coming to the show and share your valuable lessons and also your expertise. I really appreciate it. I wish you good luck with your career and business and have a wonderful week. Great. Thank you so much.
thank you guys for listening so this is a wrap i'll talk to you in the next episode till then stay safe stay healthy and talk to you soon